Welcome into the Fun Astrology Podcast for Thursday, April 14th. Thomas Miller, thank you so much for joining us from beautiful Asheville, North Carolina. And we're going to get to say that all next week because I don't want to leave. So I extended and found another place where I'm going to go hang out next week and we'll keep the Asheville theme going. Now, speaking of keeping themes going, you guys are still talking about the conjunction. I am so glad the messages, speak pipes, etc. came through and you guys are still asking questions about the conjunction. So here's basically the deal. I had two categories of questions since our conversation yesterday. One is with a good friend of mine who brought me up to speed on some things that had happened recently in his life where it's almost like the sky has opened up and it's just raining blessings on him. He can't not stumble over more business, more money, greater influence, more success. It is so Jupiter, it's not even funny. Well, he has Jupiter and Venus moving right over there in Pisces, obviously, as they are right now, moving over his 10th house. And oh, lucky him, he has an 11th house Aries sun that they are both headed toward. So he's just got nothing but, I was like, dude, back the wheelbarrows up because you're going to need them. I also had questions asking about the challenging side of the aspect. And I went back, I've, I've been reading this book by Seferiel. If you want to learn some of the old ancient techniques in astrology, the book is called The Manual of Astrology. It comes in four books, book one, two, three, four. You can get them all accumulated on Amazon. I read it digitally on Scribd, but however you find it, it's out there. Seferiel was a pen name, but his real name was Walter Gold Orn, O-R-N. He lived 100 years ago and carried forward a lot of the techniques that unfortunately have died over the last century. But one of the things that you will notice is a more grim view on a lot of these planets. And that's how they used to think. Modern astrology has changed that. Evolutionary astrology, Steve Forrest's way of looking at the world, it's all about our soul's growth, completely changes that. And we all are for the better. However, you will see that Neptune basically is more of a bucket empty than full. <laughs> it's the, not half empty. It's empty. It was a malefic in those interpretations. So if you're not getting the juice from this aspect, there are several places you could look. One is don't blame it all on astrology. I think way too often, I like to think of astrology as the Google map of the soul. I pull the Google map out when I need directions how to get somewhere. I pull the astrology out when I need advice, when I need to see where the energies are, when I need clarity or want to understand my path from a current perspective. I personally don't frame everything up in my life based on an astrological aspect. We are given way too much free choice for that. So it's a guide. It's a map. It's an advisor. It's a tool, but it's not fated. So there's something that could be purely outside of astrology affecting the situation. Anything from karma to unresolved issues that are being Neptunian in their, like, pulling the wool over your own eyes. I mean, this is all what happens. This is nine years of stories of the subconscious mind mastery podcast, where I 
lived my life unconsciously. I tell all the stories and how I turned it around. But there is a shadow side to this aspect. So one of the things that I would advise is there's nothing like sitting down with your birth chart. And obviously I can't do that here and I'm not able to offer it out right now, but we have three people in our website, funastrology.com, Marilyn Michelle, Delia Golden, and Laura Taft, who are offering readings, and we're pointing to their websites where you can get in touch with them and have somebody sit down with your chart and look exactly at what energetic factors might be affecting you. But I am so glad that you guys are still looking at that aspect as significant in our lives because it absolutely is. Now, one aspect I said let's keep an eye on this morning at 3.25 a.m., the sun and Eris were together in the sky at 24 degrees, 20 minutes. Eris, E-R-I-S, the planet that is twice as far out as Pluto, think about that, that takes over 500 years to orbit the sun, that has been in Aries since the early 1900s, the 1920s actually, was called the goddess of discord, discordia in Roman mythology. And according to Steve Forrest's definition of the shadowy side of this planet, doesn't care whether it wins or loses, but how much you suffer in the process. It's a gory picture. It was discovered in 2005, and a lot of astrologers have started to put it on their radar, although don't have much experience with it. Henry Seltzer, who developed the Time Passages program, has probably written the most about it that's out there. But I think for us in our little group here is when things appear that are significant, we just put our focus on it. We see if there's anything developing around it. So that's what we'll do today. The sun and Eris conjoined this morning. All right. The moon enters Libra this evening at 445. And another sign change, Mars enters Pisces at 11.05 p.m. Eastern Time. We'll pick up there and talk about that and the overlap of the three main religions, Passover, Easter, and Ramadan, all either happening or in process over the weekend ahead. So we'll talk about that, obviously, tomorrow on the Fun Astrology Podcast. Thanks so much for stopping by. Have a great day.